Hello, we're in a new decade, but for many, we're facing the same old problems. Today on the farming programme, we ask, is this the decade we can really tackle them? To tackle climate change, it needs everybody working together. There's no good demonising one side or the other. More from Alan Robson soon. And later, if your New Year resolution is to help others, then we'll hear from Sarah Louise Fairburn, who's already doing just that. You know, farming is much more than what people think. It provides food, it provides jobs, it gives people purpose, it's education, you know, it's nutrition because it's healthy. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Happy New Year. The government tried to give agriculture a more positive start to 2020 with the Chancellor pledging £3 billion for the industry to help after Brexit. He says it'll help the sector thrive after the UK leaves the Common Agricultural Policy Payment Scheme. Well, Manette Batters is president of the National Farmers Union, speaking via Skype, so apologies for the echo. But here's her reaction to that government pledge. Well, it certainly provides sort of legal clarity uh, when the withdrawal agreement is signed off, um, that things will be able to sort of effectively carry on as normal, Sarah, for 2020. We've been asking for that clarity for a while now. Um, So it's good to have it. Um, But of course, you know, there's a much bigger aspect to all of this. You know, the the main thing for farmers is that we agree uh, the trading relationship with with Europe. We achieve free and frictionless trade. And we've been, of course, asking for a commission to look at the scrutinising standards uh, with those trade discussions. Um, So a team of experts and we still await um, commitment from government on that. But this is really welcome news particularly important going into 2020 after a year that we've had when we've seen probably only a third of planting done that's for all the crops that are grown in the ground you've potentially got between 30 and 50 percent of potatoes still in the ground now there's a real chance that those will not be harvested so of course that massively impacts on farmers income in 2020 Um, and without you know this payment in place you would see many businesses in dire straits so it, it supports the whole volatility market failure aspect. Um, and it, it's a vital tool in managing risk effectively. What about longer term, though, Minette, the need for uh, trade deals with other countries? We've heard about chlorinated chicken from America and the like. Uh, remind us of the NFU's concerns with the deals that will need to be signed. The main thing is that we are not importing food onto the UK market that would be illegal for our farmers uh, to produce here and a chlorinated chicken it's not really about chlorinated chicken it's about the method of production and in the u.s they have no legislation on welfare standards of course we have very stringent very high welfare regulation uh, on standards and we want to make sure that food that's imported is produced to those same standards so things like growth promoters in beef that are used in other parts of the world we banned here in 1981 No farmer wants to go back to using them. And more importantly, I think the public want to continue to be able to buy high quality, high welfare food that is not compromised in trade deals. So agriculture is always the last chapter in any trade deal to be agreed. And this really sits at the heart of it. And and we still don't know what those imports are going to look like. There still is not the commitment. There's a commitment always has been to maintain the standards here. And we've always driven that, but we still don't know 
what trade deals will be about as far as agriculture goes and food imports. NFU President Manette Batters there, as I say, on a rather echoey Skype with her thoughts on that £3 billion pledge from the government. I'm sure it'll be a talking point at Lammer this coming week and one we'll touch on again over the coming weeks and months. Now, given we're at the start of a new decade, when we look back over the last 10 years, it's clear farming has changed significantly and it's hard to think where we might be in another 10 years' time. Flooding remains a threat, as it did at the start of the last decade, and it's clear the climate will be brought ever more into focus over the coming decade. Just this week, Natural England and the Environment Agency said that 2020 is the last chance to bring the world together to tackle climate change, with claims the damage to nature is already having dire consequences. Mental health too is something that's certainly been talked about more openly than it was 10 years ago. And both the subjects I chatted with with the agricultural chaplain Alan Robson about recently, he feels the whole chaplaincy itself needs a rethink as the 2020s will see even greater need for its services. I think the next five years we're going to need a little bit more resource um, in terms of chaplaincy work. I think the farming community is going to go through um, a really uh, treacly, choppy time as subsidies uh, reduce rapidly and uh, farmers will have to think of different ways going forward. Over the, over the whole year, I think it's been, uh, in many ways, a positive year. Um, but for the farming community, there are definite challenges in the immediate and on the horizon. So obviously the way fleet floods and you know, the Barlings and the River Rancoma area um, are going to present challenges for quite a number of years to come. Um, whatever people feel about climate change, the, there are infrastructure things that have to be put right. And so there'll be lots of lobbying and conversations to be had on that. Obviously, we've seen what the climate can can do locally. Do you think Maybe 2020, or do you hope 2020 can be the year when we really do start sitting up and taking climate change seriously? Climate change is the significant issue on the horizon. But to tackle climate change, it needs everybody working together. Um, There's no good demonising one side or the other. We have to come up with reshaping, restructuring... uh, the economy, how finance works, how technology works. I think we can have good lifestyles, but not feel we always have to plunder resource to get it. And so, and I think farmers and the farming community, agriculture and the food industry are going to be absolutely critical in that discussion and debate. How can we make our food systems more sustainable um, and less damaging on the environment. Lots of good things, lots of greening things, but the issue is much more systemic um, about how money flows into our industry and how it flows out of our industry and how consumers understand what we do. So I'm hoping it'll be the next three years, and I wouldn't put it beyond three years, that we really have to drill down to why we are doing things the way we are and then how can we do them much better it's a good question that isn't it in our everyday life not only in agriculture and not only just about climate change why are we doing the things we are and how can we do them better that's uh, agricultural chaplain alan robson
I guess helping the environment, doing our own little bit for the climate, could be one of our New Year resolutions. Helping others could be a good one as well, and that's what Sarah Louise Fairburn of Fairburn's Eggs is doing. Last year, you might remember, we chatted with Sarah Louise here on the Farming Programme ahead of her journey to help with Farm Africa. The plan was to plant a 1,000 trees as well as sharing farming ideas to help increase yields and profits for those in agriculture in the country. So let's find out how she got on. How was the experience, Sarah Louise? The experience was a lot more heightened than what I could have ever imagined. So physically, um, when we got there, it was physically draining because the amount of different transportation methods we needed to actually get there was you know, completely different to what I was used to. So we had a couple of um, big plane journeys. Some of the airports there were not like anything that, we've, <laughs> that I've, I've ever been to before in terms of some of the security checks and the way things were done. And when we got to one particular um, airport there was sort of a huge um, row of uh, army soldiers sort of waiting there at the at the, uh, the check-in so it was it was sort of an amazing experience um the small plane that we had to get on to actually get to the site was a 10-seat plane and some people probably will laugh at me thinking you know if they've done that before but for me I was really out of my comfort zone and you know I was actually quite frightened getting on this plane um to get to the main site um but when we actually got in the sky and looked down at the vast jungle and the rivers below us it was absolutely breathtaking actually Um, and I think what got me was what an absolutely beautifully rich country um, Uganda in particular is in so many ways which is why it's such a shame that they're living in such poverty out there what was the the feeling out there among the you know the farm workers that you saw the farmers that you chatted with so um, very, very much in the communities, there tends to be a strong female lead, um, tends to be probably a grandmother um, that tends to be quite well respected, actually, in that community. So in general, the way women are treated is, you know, completely different to what we're used to here. Um, but they do seem to have sort of a an older, more matriarchal figure in that community that is respected across across the community. Um, so we met we met with the key people on each site, um, and they were just. I can't begin to tell you. It was like Christmas for them when we turned up. It was just the look on their faces. They were so happy and, you know, we were treated like royalty, which isn't what we wanted at all, but it just shows how much it means to them. And you were planting trees as part of the uh, the project, a thousand trees, was it? It was a thousand trees over three days. Mm. And again, I think in our heads, we thought eight leading women from the food industry I think in a way we knew it was going to be a challenge we knew it was going to be hard but I think probably we all felt we'd be a little bit more sheltered than what we were and actually we weren't we every you know we were just out there we were actually walking in sort of vast jungle up huge mountain landscapes we were carrying hose we were carrying fertilizer saplings um and everything that you think in your head that you're frightened of sort of goes so we went to this first jungle site and the first thing I thought about was oh about the spiders or the snakes or you know you think about these things that we would think about here in the UK and then you just see really young children running around in the jungle with no shoes on the feet and you just think to yourself why am I so precious or important it it becomes irrelevant you become irrelevant and you just get stuck into the the challenge really 
And as well as the, the tree planting, I know you're also trying to get some, some key messages across, really, almost educational messages that might help them in the future, because that advice is, is almost worth more than money to them, isn't it? I think, yes, it is. So I think it's everything, very much everything in the round. So when it came to actually physically digging the holes, so we thought obviously we're planting saplings, but we were actually digging holes that were two foot by two foot, which was physically quite exhausting in some of the you know most rocky or you know mountainous terrains where we were so it was quite difficult and the ladies there have been doing it from small being small children and literally a couple of hits of their hoe when the hole would be dug when they were looking at us um and sometimes they were actually laughing at us saying you know do you need some help because <laughs> we're not used to this we think we're quite physically tough in our own roles and in our own jobs but actually out there um, we're not used to it so that was interesting so they learned us a lot um, but also I feel like we learned them a lot so in terms of you know we had quite a lot of people asking us about what we did how we got to where we got to what our culture was like and also asking us advice on routes to market and things which was quite very very interesting but I think the most important thing for a lot of these farmers we actually were putting our arms around them and saying look you know we care about you we want this to be right we want to come back in a year in 10 years and to see you really prosper because absolutely that's that's what needs to happen so I think that made a huge difference making a difference there's a new year resolution that's uh, Sarah Louise Fairburn and uh, there's more from my chat with Sarah Louise in a short while Earlier in the programme, agricultural chaplain Alan Robson discussed climate change and the real need to take it seriously this year. As the Met Office revealed on Friday, the last decade was the second warmest and second wettest in the past 100 years in the UK, with eight new temperature records also recorded. Arla has ambitious plans for its farmers to help tackle the issue, with the target for net zero emissions by 2050. How's it going to achieve that, though? Graham Wilkinson is the Agriculture Director at Arla Foods. Every Arla dairy farmer um, will be given the opportunity to have an individual uh, bespoke climate check uh, on their farms. Um, now, just to put this into context, we, are, we have 2,300 Arla farmers here in the UK, uh, of which they form part of uh, 10,000 dairy farmers uh, across Europe. So, you know, the scale on this is, um, is, is huge. Um, but, you know, the plans are designed to ultimately support our farmers in helping us achieve our carbon net zero ambition by 2050. And it's important, isn't it, that we get close to those targets. It's given an important message out to, uh, to the public, if you like, as well, about the fact that, you know, farmers do care about the environment and uh, are working on these, these ideas. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and I think um, what we've been, what we've seen so far, is we've actually seen a, a 24% reduction uh, in the work that we've been doing with our, our, our farmers um, over previous years. However, we also recognise to be able to achieve our carbon ambition, we need to speed that up. So we're looking for a 3% year-on-year reduction, which is why having bespoke climate checks on farms is is, is so important. What response have you had so far from the farmers that you've been discussing this with? So I think the, it's been really, really positive um, so far. I think um, uh, a farm, we have farms that are based right the way up to Scotland, uh, right the way down into uh, Cornwall. Um, as I said, we have farms across the uh, UK. And, and what they like about it is actually um, some of the changes that they need to make on their farm will be different for a farm depending on 
uh, their uh, location and maybe their system as well. But the good thing is that the climate checks identify many ways, um, some small, some big, uh, that uh, each individual farm can sort of take on board uh, to make improvements on their farm. And of course, at Arla already you've been producing milk with, what, less than half the emissions of, of many others around the world, haven't you, already? Yeah, I think um, I think we start from a, a, an excellent base. Um, average emissions are around about 2.5 grams of CO2 per kilo of milk. Uh, we're currently starting at 1.15 as, a, as an average. So we're in a really good starting position, uh, but with lots of work ahead of us. And it's fascinating reading up on, on what this, if you like, this climate check will do what the database will actually do it's it's almost monitoring uh, every aspect of of what's happening with the cows on on the farm isn't it yeah i mean we have um we capture lots of data points uh, from our farms already uh, linked to um uh, sort of milk quality or animal welfare or environmental uh, practices anyway and it's really sort of pulling that uh, all together as a as a farmer owned business um our farmers on Arla, uh, so it's not just about the farms, but we're also doing work um, across our sites and our logistics. You know, this is a, a company-wide um, program uh, with the farms, you know, playing a significant role as well. All right, well, Graham, how can farmers find out more about the scheme and the database and, and how to get involved? Um, so, so what we've been doing is uh, we've we've launched it um, externally uh, to our farmers. Um, we recognise that uh, it's quite a complex area. Um, so what we're going to be doing, we're going to be embarking on um, individual workshops with every one of our farmers uh, where they can come along uh, and find out more. Uh, we'll have um, climate change uh, experts that will help us um, support at those meetings. And we also have a um, jam-packed website with great information uh, and support material uh, available to them. So we've got a busy few months ahead uh, as we land this uh, exciting programme. That's Graham Wilkinson there, tackling climate change at Arla Foods. Uh, right, back to my chat with Sarah Louise Fairburn of Fairburn's Eggs and her work with Farm Africa, a fantastic cause. Earlier, Sarah Louise told us about how she hopes to return and see them thrive, maybe even using agricultural techniques and tips that, to us here, a part of everyday farming life. Can that really happen though? Do they have the tools to thrive and prosper? I think yes, with support, I think genuinely Farm Africa is an amazing charity because they focus on certain farmers in certain areas. Um, They have a great support network with like our equivalent to young farmers they have that out there and they have champions of farming working in these communities to help certain farms and you know obviously for years the UK have been supporting Africa in some way shape or form through various charities but the Farm Africa charity is obviously more relevant to me because of my sector and because I do believe that if we can feed people you know food is is just centric isn't it we don't think it is we are in a food to go society where everything's so instantaneous but you know for them to be able to pick a guava off the tree and to be able to eat it or ultimately to be able to sell it for a profit so they can plant more trees it's more sustainable for me I, I, I like that idea and I think that model as a business works and has it had an impact on you since you've come back? Have you seen you've maybe slightly changed maybe what you was doing just a few weeks ago? 
it's massively had an impact yeah. on me. It's hugely had an impact on me. So I feel quite emotional still um, about some of the things I've seen. I feel quite emotional about some of the people that I've left behind that deserve, genuinely deserve to have more opportunities than what they have because the people we met were so hardworking and determined and they deserve a much brighter, brighter future. Um, my children were laughing at me because we were listening to Christmas songs and um, we we were listening to the famous band-aid song and it was um the bit when it said thank god it's them instead of you and i just burst out crying because i thought well you know that's the reality of it but it shouldn't be them you know people shouldn't be living like this nowadays and it's just so hard to see it firsthand it really it really is but i, I want to do a lot more well i see it that's gonna run the next question really you, you... Do you plan to go back? Yeah, I plan to go back. If I didn't have four children, actually, um, I was thinking the other day I would actually go at Christmas time, um, and not to give not to give anything in particular, but to help. And I think sometimes you can you can physically give gifts, you can give toys, and you think that's a good thing to do. But actually, because a lot of people in communities don't have anything i think sometimes it can maybe cause a bit of animosity in a community if somebody's physically got a toy or you know even i was giving little footballs out and 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 it it really will stick with me for the rest of my life this so we're giving these little footballs out and i was making the assumption that the small children would want these little footballs and there was a girl she was 14 and she was following me with fertilizer and helping me um plant trees and she said to me excuse me please can I have a ball and I said of, of course you can have a ball absolutely of course you can and and then I got to the next hole with her and she said you you will save a ball for me won't you and I said of course I've promised you you can have a ball and every hole we went to she kept reminding me please you will save one for me and I just thought you're 14 years old you've never seen a football and for her to have had that was so special and when we got to the vehicle and I gave it to her, her you know she was nearly crying she'd never seen a football at 14 it's you know sim- the sim- some of the simplest things in life mean mean so mean so much but I think more than giving them gifts and giving them things I think if we can help support them and work with them to farm to feed themselves and to grow businesses that provide jobs you know farming is much is much more than what people think it provides food it provides jobs it gives people purpose it's education it's new you know it's nutrition because it's healthy um so so yeah that's what we need to focus on moving forward it's really great hearing of the work happening with Farm Africa. If you do want to do something similar or help in any way possible, then you'll find the details online. Or indeed, I'm sure if you get in touch with uh, Sarah Louise, I have no doubt she'd be happy to discuss it with you. Really inspirational, though. Thanks for the chat. Sarah Louise Fairburn at Fairburn's Eggs. Right, on to the weather for the coming week. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. And it's fair to say it's a rather unsettled week ahead. The jet stream is quite strong directly above the UK at the moment. High pressure in charge as we start the week. So dry today with some sunny spells, but a fair bit of cloud as well. Winds from the southwest, 15 miles an hour, maybe gusting at 30 for a time. Highs of 9 Celsius. Monday and Tuesday we'll see a couple of weather fronts edging our way, which might bring some rain for a time. So tomorrow's quite breezy. Uh, south southwesterlies, the odd gust at 40 miles miles an hour daytime highs of around eight celsius tuesday and wednesday more of the same although it could be much milder by the middle of the week temperatures may be in double figures in their early teens we'll see and then it's a rather uncertain end to the week we might get some rain 
though we could escape it with sunny spells instead. Uh, The hourly forecasts will keep us updated. For now, for this week, that's the forecast. Now, a huge well done to the Club Hector team. Jono and Chris, of course, friends of the programme. This week, uh, that saying about farmers helping farmers certainly shone through. You may have heard uh, they set up a fundraising page to help pay for the funeral of Wiltshire farmer Steve Pyle, who sadly took his own life last month. The Just Giving page was set up after Steve's widow Jo had tweeted how she was going around the farm looking at bits of kit she might be able to sell to help cover the funeral costs. Well, within just a day, the target that had been set by the Club Hector team had well and truly been smashed. Donations coming in from around the world, not only covering the cost of the funeral, but also helping towards a headstone. Uh, Jo has since tweeted her huge thanks, saying she's struggling to get over just how much it means to her and that she now has a hugely extended farming family from all around the world with a lot of non-farmers who've wanted to help and stand by and support the industry as well. A positive start to 2020. I know the uh, Club Hector team are planning one of their meetups at Lama this week, so if you see them, do make sure you say a special hello to them this week. And a reminder as well, there is help out there. If you find yourself in a similar situation to Steve Pyle, do reach out confidentially, you'll easily find details of organisations who can help online. As mentioned, it is Lama this week. It's second outing that's actually indoors at the uh, Birmingham NEC. I might see you there. Uh, Like Club Hector, do say hello if you spot me among the crowds. We'll have highlights of that and, of course, this week's Oxford Farming Conference as well. That's all on next week's programme. Until then, take care.